Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. Last week, former U.S. President Donald Trump announced that he'll be running for president again in 2024. And soon we will be a great nation again. The news shocked no one. But while Trump would once have been a shoe-in to win his party's nomination, it's not so clear this time. Big-name Republicans are speaking out against Donald Trump for running again for president in 2024. Nor is it clear who he'll be running against. Biden would be 86 by the end of a second four-year term. I think he's done a great job. I am concerned that someone well into their mid-80s serve as president. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Connor Pope. Today, I talk to Washington correspondent Martin Wall about the next big battle in American politics. Martin, the midterm elections are all but over now, and the Democrats outperformed expectations. They held on to control of the Senate, one of the two houses of the US Congress, and the Republicans did a lot worse overall than they hoped in those elections. And they did especially badly where their candidates were supporters of Donald Trump and his claims that the election in 2020 was rigged. But the Republicans did win control of the House of Representatives, the other house of the Congress. And they took that back from the Democrats with a very small majority. So since Biden's election in 2020, both houses of Congress were under control of the Democrats. And in that time, the Democrats did get a lot, not all, but a lot of their legislation passed. But Biden now has to deal with a Republican House. So I suppose my first question is, what difference will that make to how America is run? And will it now be impossible or at least very difficult for Biden to pass any new legislation? Well, the first part is that this has very significant implications for how Joe Biden and his Democratic Party carry out their agenda, both domestic and foreign, into the future. To get legislation passed, the Democrats will need both the Senate and the Republican-controlled House of Representatives to pass it. The likelihood is, is that it's going to be very, very difficult to get a Biden-sponsored legislation passed to the Republicans. Now, the problem for the Republicans is, is that they have a very small majority and they have a what they call a caucus, which is essentially a parliamentary party, which is deeply divided among itself. There is a faction of right-wing, some may say far-right, ultra-conservatives, They are not happy with the current leadership of the party. They have nominated a man called Kevin McCarthy. The party has nominated a man called Kevin McCarthy to be their nominee for speaker, essentially the chair, the very important role of chair of the House of Representatives. It is unclear as to whether he will get the votes of his own members when it comes to a vote on the floor of the House in January when the new Congress uh, comes into force. So the issue is we don't know how the Republican conference will actually behave. Will it try to focus on blocking Biden's legislation? And more importantly, which is probably more likely, devote its time virtually to using its power of investigation. Congress has a role both in legislating, but also in oversight, oversight of the administration. So will we see various committees of the House of Republican controlled committees now looking to use their powers of subpoena to compel witnesses, to compel documents to be produced, to investigate the Biden administration on a whole range of things? The likelihood is that we are. We're going to see issues in relation to the business dealings of the president's son, Hunter Biden, the rather chaotic, to say the least, uh, withdrawal of US forces from Afghanistan in August of uh, last year. The back 
drop to COVID and the COVID lockdowns and the role of Anthony Fauci, who is a bit of a hate figure for those of some of the right. We will see a lot of that, I suspect, a lot of noise and a lot of that. But the problem would be is that for the more moderate members of the Republican Party in Congress, legislation is important as well. And there's a number of key issues that are going to jump up and will have to be addressed. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's a really important point, because one of the questions I was going to ask you, Martin, is could there be enough of these moderate Republicans in the House, Republicans who are willing to work with Democrats to get some things done? Or is American politics now just too polarised and too toxic to even allow that to happen? Well, the issue will be the rules of the Congress and the rules of the Republican Party within the Congress. The Speaker of the House has a very powerful position. The Speaker determines what legislation gets to the floor. So the minority can't produce legislation for a vote on the floor. That has to come from the majority side. And they also have a a rule. Now, it's a rule and rules, as we know, can be broken. Going back that if a proposal does not get majority support within the, the party itself, that people don't break ranks for it to be to be brought forward. So it's going to be very difficult. But there are some bills that have to go forward. Things like funding the government. The government has to be funded. Yeah. And there is an issue in relation to because uh, the United States has, for a long, long time, being deficit funding has been part of it. They've been borrowing to keep the, the country ticking over in many cases for, for a, a long time. They have a debt and a debt ceiling. And that debt ceiling has to be raised to allow the government to function. It is normally a battle every time this comes to comes to into play, and there will be another battle this time around. So that will have to be addressed. The issue of funding the government is not something that can be ducked. Otherwise, you end up in a government shutdown, which has happened on a number of occasions over recent years. But it is not very popular or doesn't tend to be very popular with the public. 800,000 federal employees were furloughed, meaning no work or no pay until it was over. National parks were shut down. Passports and permits like ones for guns were put on hold. But- uh, parties have experienced backlashes in the public in relation to that. So that's the debt is one issue. The other issue that's on funding is an issue. The other issue, and it's is looming really large, is the issue of Ukraine. The US government has funded so far an estimated $18 billion in funding for Ukraine, whether it be military, whether it be economic support, uh, since the start of the war in the Russian invasion in February of this year. Within part of the of the Republican Party, there is a lot of scepticism. There is even some hostility to that funding. That is that they should be, that we're giving too much money to Ukraine and that money, the argument being that money should be given to Americans, etc., uh, etc., However, that is not necessarily the unanimous view within the Republican Party. Last night on American TV, the former vice president, Mike Pence, who has a book out uh, this week, was asked about Ukraine and said there was no place in the Republican Party for people who were pro-Putin apologists and supporters. So the issue will be is that there will be a battle within the Republican Party itself as to how it will address the issue of Ukrainian funding or funding for Ukraine, because the issue of funding for Ukraine is not something that's going to disappear today or tomorrow. It's going to be still there more than likely into the early part of next year when the Republican Congress comes into effect. And now the focus is going to turn to the presidential election in 2024. Right now, it's looking very possible that we'll see a rerun of the last presidential election. The question is, the question is, the question is, let's start with President Biden. He said last week that he intends to run for a second term as president. That was in the aftermath of the Democrats' unexpected successes in the midterms, for which 
Biden has been getting plenty of praise. But I suppose there's still a question hanging over everything as to whether or not, at nearly 80, Joe Biden is simply too old to run for president. At least some Democrats, somewhat antsy about the idea of another Biden run and possibly, if he prevails, inaugurating an 82-year-old Mr. Biden for a second term. Yeah, the age issue and his health issue is raised. The health issue is largely raised by the opposition, by the Republicans who make no secret of the fact they maintain that he is too old. And they point out is that not necessarily if he went again for the job in two years' time, but at the end of the four-year term, he'd be 86 years old. So that is an issue. Now, the president himself, when he said a couple of weeks ago that he intends to run again, that has been a stock answer for for some time. I think the issue, what he has said, is that he will discuss it with his family and we will have an announcement shortly after Christmas. So I imagine what they're going to be is they're going to think about it over Christmas and see how it goes. The issue, you know, I, there's some speculation here is that that Biden may believe that he is the only person who can defeat Trump, that if Trump runs, Biden will want to run because he wants to defeat him again. But he will have to make a decision very quickly because if uh, he's not going to run, you need to allow the other candidates in the race and undoubtedly, obviously, there'll be several, to prepare their cases, to prepare their ground. And that tees me up, Martin, for the very next question, which is one of the big problems that the Democratic Party seems to have is that if it's not Joe Biden, well, then who will run? And who are the front runners? I mean, Kamala Harris springs to mind as an obvious front runner. But are there others who could happily throw their hat into the ring? Yeah, Kamala Harris would be a front runner. The problem is, is that in many polls, uh, Kamala Harris's polling numbers are lower than Joe Biden's which were not great in the first place. But again, if you were running for president, you'll have more profile that, you know, that numbers can build. Outside of that, other names you mentioned is uh, the transport secretary in the current administration, a man called Pete Buttigieg, who threw his hat in the ring four years ago and has probably one of the best jobs in government because of the trillion euro infrastructure bill, that the infrastructure uh, development bill that they, they Congress passed last year. He can travel around the country announcing uh, cutting ribbons and roads and railways and bridges and airports. So it's a very, um, it's a nice job in that in that regard and will build a lot of profile from that. The other part will be is that maybe outside of Washington, the Democrats have a several uh, governors across the country who are in key positions, many of whom got re-elected very handily in the in the election last week. Some against expectations, such as uh, Gretchen Whitmore in Michigan, the governor who was the subject of an alleged kidnap plot by uh, right-wing activists several, a number of years ago. There's uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. So there are a number of people outside of the Washington Congress uh, orbit, or even the White House orbit, And, you know, we have had uh, governors have been elected before. Jimmy Carter was governor of Georgia, was elected. Ronald Reagan, before he came, was governor of California back in the day. So governors can can come into the race as well. But until the president gives a definitive answer as to what his own plans are, they will all be on hold, I suspect. But the issue of Joe Biden's age, obviously it will not go away. His age will not go away, but the the relentless focus on his age will continue and the allegations uh, by the Republicans and pointing to allegations of mental frailty or diminishing frailty will be um, will be heightened, I imagine, as, the, as time goes on. And talk to me a little bit about Kamala Harris, because how is she performing as vice president? I mean, if you look back to the days of Bill Clinton and Al Gore, Al Gore was very high profile. Kamala Harris doesn't seem to have that profile. Is there a reason for that, do you think? 
there were stories last year or several months ago in US media about that the camp, the Kamala Harris camp, was an unhappy one. And there were some departures and um, there was also the issue of what her role was, because obviously they, the vice presidents receive, apart from being a heartbeat away from the president, as they say, are given specific roles to, to carry out. And she was given a role in relation to the US border, which is essentially a thankless task. As I said, if um, if Pete Buttigieg had the nice job in government of cutting ribbons and opening things, uh, she had a, a, a was given essentially a very difficult role. Because the US border is probably an insurmountable problem, given the restrictions that are placed in terms of immigration reform by Republicans in Congress. She's had difficulties. She has had uh, some successes. She heads the government side of the US space program, which obviously had a big success the other day with the launch of the new, um, its new moon rocket and its return to the moon program. So there is some successes. But in recent times, just prior to the election, she had spent a lot of time traveling canvassing for supporters in particular parts of the country. And her profile was improving from what it had been at a low base several months ago. So, you know, she seemed to have, after, you know, nearly two years into the job, found her feet and found a role for that. Because I think that the vice president role can be a bit of a difficult role to know where you stand day to day and what you have to do day to day. But her her numbers uh, are low, but the profile does seem to be improving. Coming up... Will Donald Trump be the Republican nominee in 2024? We've covered the Democrats, so let's talk about the Republicans in 2024 and who they will put forward to challenge Joe Biden or whoever else the Democrats put forward. And that's another huge and consequential decision for that party because Donald Trump has announced he wants to run again. Martin, as we said at the start, candidates in the midterms who were strongly associated with Trump actually did quite badly relatively speaking. And of course, Donald Trump does come with a huge amount of baggage. So I suppose the big question is, why on earth would the Republican Party want to have him as their nominee a second time? Well, I think we need to differentiate, perhaps, between the Republican supporters and activists on the ground and the people who were running for election in Congress. Trump is hugely popular with the Republican activists. There's probably... Some estimates of thirty between thirty and forty percent who will back him come hell or high water, no matter what he does or what happens. They are a very influential segment, and in primary elections, which is where the American system works in terms of within a party, you have to get the right to run for the party. They vote, and they are they are a big big uh, segment. So they are obviously party supporters, but they in many cases are not personally running for election. The difference will be is that people who are running for election or will be running for election in two years time will begin to or may be beginning to think, is Donald Trump a liability to my personal opportunities for winning? Is having Donald Trump on the ticket good for me or bad for me personally? And what the evidence from the election just gone out was, was that people who tacked to this the side of Donald Trump and more importantly, people to whom Trump actively went out and supported did worse than those who ran independent or more independent campaigns. So as we've seen, the big Trump supported candidates, the Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, the Carrie Lake in, in um, Arizona, fell by the wayside. The, the people who articulated Trump's claims of a stolen election 
and the election deniers and the people who we were all fearful of or many people were fearful of would, if they got into power, would have serious uh, potential implications for certifying future elections if they didn't like the result. In many cases, and particularly in most cases, those people lost. Mm. So the message, and we, you know, this may change, but the message that there at the moment is, is Trump a help or a hindrance to the party for people who stand for election? But on the other hand, Trump is, as he was described by a Republican uh, outgoing governor in Maryland the other day, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. He is the person who can generate the publicity. He's the person who can generate, the who has the fundraising engine that the party needs. He can get the base activated. But you can't be elected president by just 30 or 40% of the Republican base. You have to attract independent voters. And those independent voters do not seem to be supporting Donald Trump based on the both the polls and the actual uh, electoral data from, um, from the election just gone out. So what does that mean for people who are going to be in the political arena for election in two years' time. That's a decision they have to take. And one of the things that they'll surely be considering is that ultimately Donald Trump is a loser because he lost very badly in the midterms in 2018. He lost the presidency in 2020. His candidates lost quite badly in the midterms in 2022. And arguably you could say he lost the popular vote in 2016. So how does he have this image of being some class of winner amongst this Republican base when he's never really won anything. Well, no, to be fair, he won the 2016 election. But you know what I'm saying, Martin? He did lose the popular vote. He lost the popular vote, but he won the White House. The point is, you are absolutely mm. correct. He lost the House of Representatives in 2018. He lost the Senate in 2020. And he's lost the Senate again in 20... And obviously lost the White House in 2020. And has lost the... Under his leaderships of, of the party, has lost the Senate again in 2022. But however, he is still fervently supported by this segment of the Republican voter, largely white, largely non-college educated voters and predominantly male. So that vote is there, that block is there. And Donald Trump is a huge generator of funding and funding is a big issue. There are significant indications in the last couple of days that some of the big donors and you know, American politics revolves around money, let's be clear about that, are beginning to disassociate themselves from Donald Trump. And as we've also seen the issues, there's question marks about the Murdoch media empire, where is that stand and supporting Trump. But as long as Trump has the support of Fox News, uh, which is also owned by Rupert Murdoch, he will have a a voice, he will have a an outlet, he will have advocates and if that continues, that will still be there. Now, the big issue, and we'll move on to this in a second, I suspect, exactly. is the alternatives to Trump. Martin, who can challenge him? I mean, the name we've been hearing about a lot since the midterms was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Well, thank you so much. You know, over these past four years, we've seen major challenges for the people of our state, for the citizens of the United States, and above all, for the cause of freedom. We saw freedom in our very way of life, in so many other jurisdictions in this country wither on the vine, Florida held the line. Is he the main person who can dethrone Donald Trump as the leader of the Republican Party? He would certainly seem to have the the name recognition. 
he would have the money because he generated enormous war chest uh, for his, his race uh, to be governor of Florida and didn't spend all of it. So he still has a lot of that. He has the track record politically because in Florida, up to a couple of years ago, Florida was seen to be a competitive state. Florida has now turned into a bastion of the Republican Party, where Ron DeSantis oversaw what they call here a recarving of constituencies. Some may call it a gerrymandering, but it was it allowed the Republican Party to add three or four seats in the House of Representatives, which essentially meant that they contributed to the Republicans gaining the majority. So he is seen as being an electoral winner in Florida. He is seen as a fundraiser in Florida. He has name recognition. And he's obviously, he's 30 years younger than Donald Trump. So the issue would be, does he now see it as his time? Is this his time in the full knowledge that if he runs against Trump, Trump will go after him, he will go after his family, he will go after his friends. And Trump has already said publicly that he has damaging information about DeSantis that's only known to his wife, which is very uh, curious, but it's it's uh, it's that he will reveal if DeSantis runs. So the other way of looking at it is uh, Ron DeSantis is 44 years of age. He could, on age grounds, very easily sit this out. And 2028, uh, Trump will be term limited, even if he won. And could he wait four years, which members of the Trump family have said, well, sure, he could wait four years and sit this one out. The problem will be is that in, by 2026, when you'd be running into the 2028 cycle, the political world may have changed. There may be somebody else. You know, we weren't talking about Ron DeSantis a year ago, two years ago. There could be somebody else that is on the horizon at that point. So is the moment, is the momentum with DeSantis now and should he go for it now? But there are others. There are other people within the within the Republican. Mike Pence, maybe? Well, Pence is on a book tour at the moment. He has been interviews in several uh, broadcast networks over the last uh, two, day, two, two days. Do you believe that Donald Trump should ever be president again? David, I think that's up to the American people. But I think we'll have better choices in the future. Better choices than Donald Trump. Um, and... Uh, for me and my family, we uh, will be reflecting about what our role is in that. Will you run for president in 2024? Well, we're giving it consideration in our house, prayerful consideration. Do you believe you can beat Donald Trump? Well, that would be for others to say. The issue with Pence is it's difficult to see where the path for Pence in the Republican Party would be. The evangelical movement would be a natural home, but that would appear to be already sewn up by Trump. There are many in the in the in the right of the Republican Party who consider still consider Pence to be, as they called it, a traitor because he refused to back Trump to try overturn the elections in twenty twenty. Will they forgive him? Question mark. But he again, he still he could be a a safe home for donors who want a solid Republican without the the eccentricities of the Trump regime. And of course, he does have, Martin, the the name recognition. Absolutely. But the name recognition in some quarters in that case is, name recognition is important where you want people to want to like you because of your name, not to dislike you because of your name. And the people who were chanting, hang Mike Pence at the Capitol on January the 6th, two years ago, are probably unlikely to be going out canvassing for Mike Pence in 2024. So that, you know, remains to be seen as an issue. The MAGA wing, the Trump faction, are, I would imagine, unlikely to be supporting Mike Pence in any description. Martin, as ever, thank you very much for talking to us.
That's it for today. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon and Aideen Finnegan. In the news, we'll be back in your feed soon.